The Productive Woman, Episode 458. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Well, welcome to this episode and thank you so much for joining me. This summer, I am doing something new, something I haven't done in past years, which is revisiting a few episodes from the Productive Woman Vault. So just like last month with episode 453, this week we're revisiting an episode from a few years ago that seems timely for today. And this time we're talking about reviewing and updating our routines for back to school, which we first discussed back in episode 157, several years ago, as part of a back to school mini series I did that year. I realized that this topic may be a little more timely for those of us in the United States who are about to start a new school year or in some cases already have just started it. But the concepts apply really anytime we're entering a new season of life. So in case you missed it before, here's this episode re-edited and with some new resources added to the links and information you'll find at theproductivewoman.com slash 458. I hope you enjoy it. Last week, I started a a little bit of a back-to-school mini-series, and last week we talked about helping kids be more productive. This week, we're looking at routines. I I wanted to say I do understand that this might not be back-to-school time for my friends in the Southern Hemisphere. I know there are folks in Australia and New Zealand and various places in the Southern Hemisphere who listen to the show, and I know you're in a different season than we are, but I still think the concepts apply to any of us whenever we're changing seasons. I'm going to be sort of talking about it in the context of what's going on here in the United States and other parts of the Northern Hemisphere. That is, summer break has just ended. Classes are starting up for our kids, for, you know, those of you who are students yourselves, for teachers and all of that. And so that's the context I'm talking about this in, but I do think that the concepts apply, the tools can apply at any change of seasons. So at this point, whether it's you or your kids going back to school, or if you're homeschooling, or even if school isn't part of your day-to-day life, it's still this change in seasons is still a good time to look at some of the routines and activities that are part of your life and make sure what you're doing today is moving you in the direction you want to go. So a few things that I thought about in preparing this episode and just kind of noodling on the concept of what are our routines and at this back to school time. And the first thing I wanted to encourage you to do is to be intentional about the activities Uh, Again, a change in seasons, a change in schedules, I guess, is a good time to take a really fresh look at the calendar and at your commitments and your activities. For those of us in the United States, I know a lot of times things get kind of hectic when school starts up again and everybody's getting involved in activities and stuff. And so what I want to encourage you to do is take a minute to sort of take a step back and really think about what are your priorities for this season? 
whether it's for yourself, for your family, for your kids, if that's applicable. What's your number one priority? Before you just dive in and sign up for everything in the world, um, what are your priorities for this season, say the last four months of this year? So if you're a student, whether high school, college, whatever, graduate school, are you focused, is your priority right now grades or building your resume or building relationships? What's the most important thing for you right now? If your primary priority is your grades, then it's probably better to maybe sign up for fewer outside activities in order to allow plenty of time for study and for doing excellent work on exams and papers and that sort of thing. But if your priority is building your resume, say you're finishing up college, you want to get into a really top graduate school and you want to have a great resume, so to speak, to show uh, your skills outside of just academics, then what activities would make the biggest impact for whoever's going to be looking at your resume, whether it's a graduate school admissions committee or a potential employer or whatever? Think about the activities that you sign up rather than having, you know, just signing up for everything. Same question applies uh, if you're a parent. What are your priorities for you and your family and your kids? I want to say for all of us, it's important to remember, this is just something I've been thinking about a lot lately, is that everything can't matter most. If everything is a priority, then nothing is. Something has to be more important than something else. We can't do everything. We Time and energy and money, for that matter, are finite quantities, finite uh, resources. So we can't do everything. Everything can't be number one. So if you have every kid in your house signed up for every activity, take a look at that. How's it working for you? You know, maybe if you haven't signed up for things yet, look back at last year and how was the schedule and how did it work? Now, if you and your kids are extroverts who thrive in a, in a really maxed out schedule, then I say go for it. Uh, and if your priority is building a, a resume, so to speak, for your child that will get your child into an elite school, then of course, sign up for those activities. But again, same thing I said to the student who might be listening, what activities are going to have the most impact when they're being reviewed by the people that need to review them? So again, if that works for you to have a very full schedule, whether it's just you and a spouse and one kid or a house full of kids, and it's working and everybody's happy, then go for it. I think that's great. But if not, if life is more hectic than you want it to be, more stressful than you want it to be, and there's crabbiness and exhaustion and things are just not as pleasant as you would like your life to be, then consider why you're doing what you're doing. And this is true whether you're the student or you're the parent of the student. If things are that crazy, why are you doing all those things? Why are we signing up for every activity in the world? I, I really th I think kids don't need to do everything any more than we do. And I think it's kind of important for us to model for them the value of creating margin in their lives, time to breathe and to think, to relax and to connect. We talked last week about helping our kids be more productive. And uh, part of that productivity, being a productive person is, you know, doing the things that help us to create and make a life that matters. And I think margin is important in that. And 
if we're filling up every spare moment and leaving no white space on our calendars, then is that really serving us and our family? So the point here, I guess, is to think about what are your priorities? What outcome do you want from this school year, from this season in your life? And what activities should you be involved in or not be involved in in order to get that outcome that you want? For me, when when our kids were younger and at home, family came first. Family time came first. I really tried to protect our time together. And so what that meant was that each kid only signed up for one activity at a time. Now, remember, we had five kids, so that could be a lot of things going on just if they're they're doing one. But we generally didn't have them doing scouts and sports and all these other things. So each kid had to choose what's the most important thing to you right now. And so for my daughter, for one season of her life, my oldest daughter, it was ballet. She took dance lessons, dance classes. Uh, For one of my sons, he loved soccer. And so for a couple seasons, he played on a soccer team and he didn't do other things. We really tried to make our schedule so that at least two nights during the week, we were all home with no activities planned, no, you know, things going on, just home together as a family uh, with time to relax and do whatever we did at home. But that was us. That was our family. I'm not saying that's the right way to do it. I'm just saying for us, the priority was family time, family being together and being able to enjoy each other. And so those were decisions we made. What I encourage you to do is really to be intentional about this. Think about what your priorities are and plan accordingly. Okay, so with that as a backdrop, then I wanted really mostly to talk about how we can streamline our life during this the busy season or during this change of seasons by establishing routines. And we've talked about routines in past episodes. I'll, I'll put some links in the show notes for some of the other episodes where we've talked about routines in general and the benefits of having workable routines in place. There's the efficiency that comes from the fact that anything that we do the same way repeatedly, we get better at and more efficient at, and we don't, it doesn't take us as long. So developing those routines uh, for certain times of day or certain activities where we do it always the same way can help us be more efficient, waste less time, and save our time for other things. Helps us avoid decision fatigue, which is a big deal. You know, having to make decisions all day long uh, wears us out. Our, Our decision maker gets worn out. And so this is especially true in the morning, having to make decisions, at least for me. If you're one of those people who wakes up just all energized and raring to go, then this might not apply to you. But for a lot of us, having to make decisions about even small things first thing in the morning can be a challenge. So having routines in place where we don't have to decide, well, what do we do now that we're up? You know, we just have a routine. We know what we do. That that can be really helpful. As a parent, having routines in place is a good thing for kids. It gives them a sense of security and uh, control, in a sense, and helps things be more calm. Dr. Vanessa LaPointe, who's a psychologist and a mom, wrote in an article on Huffington Post not too long ago, and I'll share a link to this in the show notes because I thought it was really good. Um, Dr. LaPointe said, children especially need routine in order to feel safe and contained in a world that can be very busy and overwhelming. This is 
perhaps no more true than during times of significant transition, including the back to school period. So she very much recommends that. Another article that I read, the writer said, when children can predict what's coming next, they feel competent and are much more likely to cooperate. So think about that. If your mornings seem like a struggle trying to just get everybody to do what they need to do, setting up routines where children can feel like they know what's coming next and they know how to do it. This expert says that gives them a sense of competence that will help them be less resistant and more cooperative. So those are some of the benefits for having routines in place. So some of the things that I thought about for morning routines. So that's that's one place to start. Mornings can be hectic and frustrating when you have kids that you're trying to get out the door, or if it's just you, as you're, you know, you're the student here trying to get out the door. So one of the things I would say is, can you give yourself a little me time in the morning before you have to jump into the workday, or if you're a parent, before the kid's routine begins? I know this can be hard if, for example, you're in a place like here where our kids had to be out at the bus stop at like 7.30 in the morning. Or if you have a, you know, you have to drive your kids somewhere or drive yourself somewhere. Maybe there's not a ton of time in the morning. But if possible, if you can carve out just a little bit of time in the morning just for yourself to kind of gather your thoughts and get yourself together before you jump into the rest of the routine, that can really give you a sense of calm, of having the day in hand rather than feeling like you're behind from the beginning and try, just spend the whole day trying to catch up. One writer, Sarah Beach on Left Brain Buddha, says that during the school year, she gets up well before her children and spends at least 20 minutes in meditation. She says, I love that I start my day with something that is just for me. I can savor my coffee, enjoy the silence, and write in my journal. It is a sacred time that gets my day off to the right start. I agree with her. I think it's such a great thing. I understand that it doesn't work for everybody, but if you could do that, if you can get yourself up, even if it's just 15 minutes or so, it can make all the difference. Um, Dr. LaPointe, she recommends that if possible, start the day, whether it's, you know, for quiet time or whatever, but start the day 15 minutes earlier than you need to so you can save some space to have actual connection time with your kids. Several articles actually recommended that, including Dr. LaPointe. She says, sitting down to a 15-minute breakfast together, snuggling up for a morning story, or sharing a warm cup of something cozy are all ways you can get some quality time in with your kids before sending them off into the demanding world of school. And as a psychologist, she goes on to say, this routine settles their brains, priming them for an openness to learning and shoring them up for the challenges that may come their way through the school day. Again, I'm not trying to put more pressure on you if your mornings are already starting as early as you possibly can. But I'm just saying that this is something to consider that if there's a way you can shift things around to start your day just a little bit earlier and make a little bit of time for that connection 
little bit of time for yourself, those things can make a huge difference. Another thing that can be great as part of the morning, a couple of different writers suggest this. This wasn't something I tried when my kids were younger. Sarah Beach, who I mentioned earlier, suggests having morning to-do lists or charts of things that need to get done. She recommends Erin Condren's customizable charts. There's a link in her article, and I will link to her article in the show notes. Several writers suggested having younger children, if that's what you have, go through magazines and cut out pictures of the things they need to do in the morning to create their own custom to-do charts. So that can be kind of a cool way to do that. So this deals with that decision fatigue. Don't have to try to remember what we're going to do because we've got this chart right on the wall. All we're going to need to do is just go through, look at the list, check things off as we do them, and we know we'll have taken care of everything that's important to get our day off to a good start. Keep in mind that kids are not as attuned to the clock as adults usually are, so they can lose track of time. And if you are trying to get kids out the door to school, and especially younger kids, you've probably experienced this, where it seems like they're dawdling and they're just trying to aggravate you and make things difficult. But the fact is they just don't have as much a good a sense of time as we do. And so... Some experts suggest helping especially younger kids keep track of the time by using a visual timer. Even if they can't tell time, there are timers you can use. And Dr. LaPointe recommended a couple of them. One is called a time timer, which is available either as an app or an actual clock face that you can set up. As an alternative, a lighted timer Uh, such as something called a time tracker, where the light slowly changes color as the time goes by. So when it turns yellow, they know it's about time to start getting ready. And when it turns red, it's time to go. I'll have links to both of those resources in the show notes for this episode. I thought those looked like a really great idea to try if you're having trouble kind of keeping your kids paying attention and and on track to get out the door on time. Instead of nagging them, setting up one of these visual timers and helping them learn to remember to look at it and pay attention to it can really make a difference. Another thing that I want to throw out there for morning routines is I vote for skipping morning TV. I mean, not for you and not for the kids. It's a distraction for them if they, you know, one of their morning TV shows is is on. They're going to be watching that instead of getting ready to go or getting their minds ready to go. And for you, you know, a lot of us have got in the habit of watching the news in the morning news shows to kind of see what's going on. But the fact is, honestly, the news is almost always bad these days. And maybe that's not the tone you want to set for your day. There may be better ways to start off your morning than watching TV. Just something to think about, you know, maybe play some music that either energizes you or calms you, depending on what you need. I like to listen to podcasts while I'm getting ready, but not always. Uh, You don't always have to fill the silence. Sometimes it's good to just have the quiet if it's just you getting yourself ready for the day. So those are just some things to think about as you establish the morning routines and some of the things that you need to have in place to get yourself out the door and off to a good start for the day. Also, after-school routines. Look at those as we're going through this transition time into the school year. Obviously, there are lots of things that I could say about any of these things, but I'm trying to you know, be concise here. And I've got, as I mentioned, several resources, great articles with good ideas 
that I will link to in the show notes if you want to get more ideas about what routines to get in place. So after school, I would encourage you to consider creating a landing zone for backpacks and shoes and things that, you know, come in the door from the school day and maybe get dropped anywhere. Corral it before it gets scattered so that anything you're going to need to get out the door in the morning is going to be in that one place and, and develop that as a place where everybody knows to put their stuff when they come in. As far as the routines themselves, consider having a wind down time before homework for your kids. They've been at it all day and maybe need a little time to kind of unwind and relax before they start their homework. So maybe that means a a nutritious snack of some sort, maybe play outside for a while and get some fresh air, Uh, maybe even a short nap. I suggest, again, avoiding TV. We spend so much time on screens these days for the kids to learn well and for their minds to work the way they need to maybe not use that time when they first get home to watch TV. That's not necessarily as relaxing as other things might be. And if there's an afternoon TV show they really love, maybe offer to record it on the DVR for watching later in the evening or binge watching on the weekends. Um, Set up a special place for homework with all the supplies they need. Uh, I think that can go a long way to making it easier to get them in the habit of doing their homework Um, One article I read offered a link to get directions for for building a really cute functional desk for under $100. And I'll put the link to that article in the show notes. Another cute idea complete with a photo was on a site called babble.com. So if you don't already have a desk or a table or a place that you could set aside to kind of make homework central that's got the markers and the pens and the paper and whatever other supplies that they're going to need and a place where they know that they this is, this is where we do homework, um, these two articles had some great suggestions. So those are just a couple of the things. And afternoon routines kind of roll into evening routines and the sorts of things that you can do to set yourself up for a good morning the next day. And so the afternoon evening routine should include some preparation for the morning, because I really think that a good morning starts with the evening before. And so, for instance, what are some of the things that you can do in the evening or afternoon before to make the morning a little smoother? Preparing lunch. What can you do while you're making dinner to maybe get lunch ready? Get the kids involved in this if you make lunches rather than having them buy lunch. Certainly include in your evening routine a homework check maybe right after dinner to avoid that bedtime panic of, oh, I forgot to do my spelling words or I forgot to do my calculus homework or whatever it is. So as you're clearing the table from dinner, check and say, all right, did everybody get their homework done? Let me have a look at it sort of thing. Make that part of the routine. Also, what does everybody need for the next day? Before you start to wind down for bedtime, you know, maybe again, either right before, right after dinner, look at this. Are there papers that need to be signed? Can we get the backpacks loaded and put by the door or in that landing place we talked about earlier? Even out in the car, if you're, especially if your car is in a garage attached to the house, why not put the backpacks in the car if you drive the kids to school? And certainly choosing clothes for yourself and for your kids, maybe before 
tea, we sit down for the evening TV show or before bath time or whatever, have a certain time in the evening routine to choose your clothes for the next day, lay them out, or maybe have a special hook where you put the next day's outfit, uh, everything from, you know, the pants and shirt or skirt or whatever, to the shoes, to the socks, to the undergarments, to the jewelry, if it's for you. Have it all out, ready to go. Some writers, uh, productivity kinds of people and or organizers suggest choosing the entire week's outfits on Sunday evening so that you have them all out. Um, there are resources where you can find little kind of printable tags that you can put on the hanger to mark each outfit for what day it's set for. So those are some things you can do in the out late afternoon, evening to get ready to, for the morning to make the morning go more smoothly. Certainly part of the evening routine should be reasonable bedtimes, especially if you have an early day, you need more sleep than you probably think you do to do more than just get through the day. If you want to excel and thrive and enjoy your day, get to bed at a reasonable time. One article pointed out that most experts agree that children need between nine and 10 hours of sleep each night to be at their best, and eight hours would be an absolute minimum. So think about that for your kids. Whatever time you need to get up in the morning, allowing for the things we've talked about already, set the bedtime accordingly. And frankly, I think the same is true for us. I've been tracking my sleep lately in my bullet journal just because I've been... I, I've just been having trouble sleeping and been feeling really tired. And so I decided to be kind of observant and look at when do I go to sleep? When do I get up? How do I feel the next day? And really uh, make myself aware of that. And I'm finding, not surprisingly, that on the nights that I get to bed a little earlier, I sleep better and I feel better the next day. So think about the bedtimes and then ask yourself what needs to happen so that everybody can get to bed at a time that will allow adequate rest. As moms, we tend to put our kids to bed at, at a good time, and then we stay up and work for several more hours to get stuff done. So then we're tired and maybe crabby or just at least tired the next day. And so I encourage you to think about what needs to happen as a family, as a household, so that nobody has to stay up too late that everybody can get a reasonable amount of rest and, and get everybody involved in that conversation. Consider some pre-bedtime rituals, not just for kids, but for all of us. They can really help us as adults wind down and shut our minds off and be ready to rest. And so for me, one of my rituals at the end of the day before bed is I spend a little time in my bullet journal I fill out the trackers my, that I'm doing. I set myself up for the next day. I look at what needs to happen tomorrow and what do I need to do tonight to be prepared for tomorrow so that I, I have a good handle on that and I can go to bed not worrying about whether, you know, whether I'm forgetting anything. One author points out that, that depending on how many children you have and what their ages are, they may have different bedtimes so this writer says, if this is the case, have the younger children choose their clothes for the next day before they take a bath, brush their teeth, and put on their pajamas. Get them in the habit or routine of following a specific pattern each night. 
if you do that the same way, okay, if you do those same things, and, you know, this writer is suggesting choose their clothing, then take a bath, then brush their teeth, then get into their pajamas. And if you have them follow that same routine every night before they go to bed, you're transitioning them into settling down. And this writer says having a set routine like this or any schedule you use as a family will give them a strong sense of continuity and help them wind down and rest better. And of course, really, uh, and I'm talking to myself here, we all should consider turning off all our screens an hour before bed. This is good for all of us. It's certainly good for kids. There's all kinds of science behind, you know, the impact that the light from TV screens and iPads and all those sorts of things have on our brains and our ability to rest. So really worthwhile considering turning off all the screens an hour before bedtime and, you know, do something else, play a game together as a family or read. When my kids were younger, we used to choose a longer book than they might be able to read for themselves and read a chapter or two each night. And we read some long ones. You know, we read the entire Chronicles of Narnia series. And I'm trying to th think of some of the other, you know, pretty long, somewhat sophisticated books that we would read aloud to them, my husband or I, depending on who, who had time. And they really loved that and it helped them wind down. To me, that may be a better choice than watching TV, even if we're watching TV together. Um, on that point, uh, I thought I'd touch on what, so what do you do if your child is not cooperating? You're trying to establish routines. You've thought about activities and, and kind of what routines will help make your mornings, your afternoons, your evenings go better. But what if your child won't cooperate with these things? It sort of depends. If a child is generally not cooperative, this might require some thought and intentional action on your part of, as to what's the, at the root cause of that. That's something that can't be fixed in the morning if you're, you know, you're trying to get out the door into school. But if a generally cooperative child is resistant on a given morning, there might be an explanation for that. They might not be getting enough rest, okay? One article, one writer said, offered some wisdom on this, that children may resist morning routines by arguing about breakfast food, debating about what clothes to wear, or playing when they should be getting ready to leave. Children often seek our attention in the morning, especially when we're rushing. This writer goes on to say, our children soon learn that when they resist, argue, or stall, they get our attention. Hmm. Uh, and so these morning difficulties may arise even when we give our children plenty of attention at other times. So something to think about that may be not even a conscious thing on their part. You're busy, you're, you know, rushing around trying to get things out the door and a kid may just want some attention before they get on with their day and may get that attention by starting to, you know, drag their feet a little bit. So, this writer offers some things that we can do to, as the writer put it, spur on the uncooperative child and give him a sense of power and control. So the first tip is to encourage and remind, but try not to nag. Let them experience the consequences of procrastinating. This may mean missing breakfast or forgetting their homework. And we talked about that last week on the helping kids uh, be more productive, that sometimes we got to let them live with the consequences of their choice. We give them an opportunity to do the right thing. We encourage them to do the right thing. 
but nagging isn't going to help and doing it for them is not going to help them become more productive people. So that's something to think of. Avoid lectures. This writer suggested instead of lecturing, ask what and how questions such as, well, what happens when you don't get dressed in the morning? Or how do you feel about missing the school bus? This will start conversations with children, which can help them think for themselves Whereas if we're just lecturing them, they're, they're probably going to stop listening. Finally, although this article has several other suggestions, another one that kind of jumped out at me was to plan ahead and give your child enough time to succeed on her own. Remember to give reminders and establish clear expectations regarding the morning routine. This is from an article called How to Get Ready for School, Finding a Morning Routine for School or Daycare that Works by the Bright Horizons folks. Um, definitely will put a, a link in the show notes, because there are a ton of great resources on that website. Finally, I talked about being intentional about activities. We talked a little bit about looking at routines for the various times of day, thinking about how to adapt those things to incorporate that will make things go more smoothly. And then final thought, I guess, is to get our life organized a little bit. As part of this developing routines that work, get life together a little bit. One writer suggested something she called Calendar Central, a big calendar where everybody's activities go. And this would include after-school activities, school programs, sports and dance practice schedules, school lunch menus and everything. Have it all in one place. And that's something that we did when our kids were little. I had a big calendar on the stuck on the refrigerator with big squares where we could write everything in. And so anybody could look and see at a glance. If your kids are older, you might share an electronic calendar with them where everything goes. But the point is to have everything in one place where everybody can see what needs to be done. That babble.com website that I mentioned earlier offered a post with 25 organization tips for low-stress school year, complete with photos. And there were some great ideas in there, like a family bulletin board, an after-school snack station, which I thought was kind of cool. They had photos of a way to incorporate cubbies for school gear or using a shoe organizer for school or homework supplies. This article is a great resource if you need ideas for getting organized so that your mornings and your evenings go a little more smoothly. So there'll be a link to that in the show notes. So those are kind of my thoughts. What I thought was interesting is after I had already put my notes together for this episode, I was driving somewhere and catching up on podcasts because I do that when I drive. And I happened to listen to the latest episode from Lisa Woodruff. You might remember her. Lisa was our guest on episode 122, and she is a professional organizer who has a website and a program and a podcast called Organize 365. And so I'm driving along and her, her voice came on. I thought, oh, great. I want to get caught up on her. And I guess great minds think alike because her latest episode, as I'm recording this, her episode 192 is on morning routines for the modern day woman. And I highly recommend this episode. I'll put a link in the show notes so you can go listen. She shares in detail about what her morning routines are. She's still got kids at home. Why her routines are different from what many productivity experts, and I'm using air quotes, will recommend. There's a ton of great stuff in there. So definitely listen to episode 192 of the Organized 365 podcast. I think it's good to talk to and listen to lots of people 
get ideas from lots of resources because there's no one right way to do things. There is no one system or routine or approach that's going to work for everyone. I throw out some ideas that might or might not work for you, but you know, talk to your friends, listen to people like Lisa, and listen to it with an ear to not that this is the right way to do it, but would that work for me, for my family, for my household? The point is to be intentional about it. Recognize what isn't working and what is, and adjust as needed to make sure the routines you're following are serving you and those in your household. Well, I hope you enjoyed this visit to the TPW Vault and found some useful information and ideas to make your back-to-school transition go a little more smoothly. I'd love to know what you think. Whether you're a student or a mom or both, do you have any tips you could share on how to make your routines and systems work better at this back-to-school time? I'd love it if you'd share those. You can do that by... Uh, going to the comment section of the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 458. Or you can post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page, which anyone can comment on. If you're a member of the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, that's a great place where we could all gather to talk about and share ideas for making the transition smooth this year. As always, if you prefer to share your thoughts with me privately, you can do that by emailing your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com, and I would love to hear from you. And that is it for this episode of The Productive Woman. As always, thank you so much for spending this time with me. I don't take it lightly. I don't take it for granted, and I truly do hope you found something in this episode that's helpful to you. I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter. Mm -hmm.